Good morning to each of you. Good morning. Thank you all again for, for having me this morning. Uh, my wife regrets that uh, she is not able to be here our, uh, with our three boys. They, they do wish that they were very sad that daddy was leaving without them. They, 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 they typically travel with me and uh, they wish that they could have been here this morning. Thank you again for having me. Will you open the word of God this morning? to the epistle to Titus, chapter 2, where we'll find our text in verse, verse 14. Here the word of the living and the true God reads, Who gave himself for us, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. This morning, I would like to speak about Christ as our Redeemer. He is the only Redeemer that this world will ever receive. He is the only Redeemer we have. And what a powerful Redeemer He is. He is a wonderful Savior, Jesus our Lord. We sing, we sing that wonderful hymn. By the way, the, the hymn selection this morning was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for those. Our Lord Jesus came into the world to save the sheep that were given to him in the everlasting covenant by his Father. He came to save the sheep that had gone astray. That was each one of us. We had turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. His role as our Redeemer is of utmost importance to God's people. I'd like to define this term redeemed because that is not something that we typically, is not a term that we use in our everyday life anymore. Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which is a, a wonderful dictionary. If you, if you get it in paper, they can't change paper. If you haven't noticed, they like to change definitions of words today. But they can't change a paper book that you've got on the bookshelf. Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the term redeem, to redeem, as to purchase back, to ransom, to liberate, or rescue from captivity or bondage. We spoke this morning of who it was that the Father gave to the Son. And when did He do that? To purchase us back meant we were somewhere before. Meant we were, we were somewhere prior to being in bondage. We, we were not created in bondage. We were we, Father Adam, our, the first Adam. He was not created in bondage. In fact, He was created. Good. Very good. Let's, let us examine what it is that the Word of God says about our, about our first parents, our first natural parents in the book of Genesis. Will you turn there with me? Chapter, Genesis chapter 1. We'll see the state in which they were created. Genesis 1 and 26. Here the Word of the living and the true God states, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So in the day that man was created, God called everything very good. Very good. Here we had not, Adam had not yet sinned. Everything was still in a very good state. Come to 2 and 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. 
This was their state when they were created. They were not ashamed of their state. They, they had everything that they needed. They were in perfect harmony, with perfect fellowship with the Lord. They had done everything that they were supposed to do until chapter 3, verse 6. Will you look at that with me? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Here is where everything changes. Disobedience to God. This is the first time in which it occurs. Read, let's read now verse, verse 8 through 13. And they heard the voice of the Lord, of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Notice that that is man's reaction after he has disobeyed God. He hides. He hides himself. Man has not changed. It has never been an act of a hiding God, but a hiding man. Man, man always seeks to hide himself from God. Romans, Romans chapter 1 tells us that when they knew God, they glorified him not of God, neither were thankful. They suppress, they hold the knowledge of, uh, uh, the, knowledge of the truth in unrighteousness. Man knows that God exists. He knows that he is a righteous God. But he does not seek to honor or glorify him in his natural state. Here, Adam and Eve understood that. They were, they were in that state, in that natural state. They hid from him. But notice the Lord God came and found him. Just as the Lord Jesus said, I, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I know them, and they know me. He finds his sheep. Here he found them, just as he finds every one of us. And he, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman that thou gavest, gavest to me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Don't tell you, man in his natural state doesn't like to take responsibility. Account to, he doesn't like to be accountable for his own actions. Mm -hmm. This is where uh, the blame game began. This is where Adam blames his wife. His wife blames the serpent. It's not my fault. It's, his, it's her fault. The woman says, it's not my fault. It's the serpent's fault. Instead of, instead of coming to the Lord God and confessing and, and admitting what they had done, not, it's not my fault, Lord. It's the woman thou hast given me. It's the serpent that beguiled me. This is where all lies and deception and blame and pride originated. It did not, it did not occur in Adam prior, prior, to this, prior to this state. Genesis 6 and verse 5, we see the, what it ultimately leads to. Man has not gotten better since this point in time. Man has devolved. Man has not evolved to a greater state of righteousness. He has devolved, and he will continue to devolve, return to chaos, is what is where man will go if left alone, if left unattended. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great 
in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the term, this term continually is elsewhere, the, the Hebrew term behind it is elsewhere translated as day, time, always, whole, full, and daily. I don't know that there could be a, a greater condemnation to the Edenic race than the fact that our heart is only evil continually in our natural state. That is, that is where we are without the Lord. Without the Lord, that is the state in which we find ourselves. Man does not want anything else. He loves his sin. He doesn't want anything but it. And it is not because we have gotten better that God has not destroyed the earth with, by water. Again, come to Genesis 9, and we'll see the reason. We'll see the reason why he has not, not flooded the earth again. Romans, or Genesis 9, 11, And I will establish my covenant with you, speaking to Noah, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there, shall there any... That is what the rainbow symbolizes. Men have taken that and, and just completely destroyed what it means, but it is a, it is a sign of God's faithfulness, Amen. that He will not flood the earth. Those who say that He will don't know, don't know our Lord God and don't understand His word. He will not flood the earth again. Though 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 tells us he'll destroy it by fire. He will destroy it by fire the, 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 the next time. Job, turn to Job chapter 15. I'm, I'm lay, we're examining the scriptures that provide us an understanding of man's natural state in bondage to sin. Job chapter 15. Here, the book of Job is supposed to be the oldest book in the Bible. It is supposed to be written during the time of the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, very, very, uh, very, very long time ago. Job 15 and verse 14. Here, Eliphaz, one of Job's friends, is speaking. Job 15 and 14. What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. Now, Eliphaz and all of Job's friends were wrong in one instance or another. But here Eliphaz is correct. He is correct in his statement that we, that what, what is it? It's a rhetorical question. What is it that we should be clean? We can't be clean in and of ourselves. Or he which is born of woman that he should be righteous. We cannot be in and of ourselves. It is not possible. Verse 15, Behold, he putteth no trust. He, that is God, putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. You know how I know that's true? Because God doesn't leave us alone to do the works that He has prescribed, that He has foreordained that we should walk therein. He doesn't leave us alone to do those. He works in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. If He has to work in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure, then He doesn't trust us all by our lonesome. We can't do it. We don't have the ability to perform it. We may desire to do good, but even when we desire to do good, evil is still present with us, as we discussed this morning. The ability to perform those good deeds that He has given to us in His Word it is not found within us. It is only found within Him working within us to do that which is well-pleasing in His sight. The heavens are not clean in His sight, which is, why he'll, he'll, uh, which is why He'll do away with them. Verse 16, How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? Don't we in our natural state love sin, love to walk in the ways of the world, to follow the course of this world, to follow the prince of the power of the air. 
We love we love the things according to the uh, the things of this world until our eyes have been opened. Here, Eliphaz is absolutely correct in what our what our state is without the Lord. Come to Psalm 51. We discussed this this morning also, and what, what a wonderful lead-in it is it is for this message. David, a man after God's own heart, describes himself in this way. Psalm 51 in verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And he's not talking about the act of conception. His parents were married, everything was lawful there. He's talking about he was brought into this world as a sinner. From, from the time Adam fell, all, all of his descendants were born into sin. We were all a sinner, not from our mother's womb, but from, from the time we were conceived in our mother's womb were we sinners. Why do men die? It is because of sin. Children perish in the womb because of sin, not because of sin that they themselves have committed. They haven't committed any sin. They haven't come out of the womb and performed anything. Before they did good or evil, they perished. Jacob and Esau is a perfect example. Before they had done any good or evil, but that the purpose of God according to election might stand, he said, the elder shall serve the younger. Because of sin, do, is he, does he describe, describe himself in this way? He was shapen in iniquity and in sin did his mother conceive me. He was brought forth in sin. David, a man after God's own heart, describes himself in this manner. Come to Romans. Just so we see it from all from both testaments all over the scriptures. Romans chapter 3 and verse and verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Speaking of the Jews. Are the Jews better than the Gentiles? Absolutely not. No. In no wise, for we have both have before proved both Jew and Gentile that they are all under sin. Every every person in this world is, is in bondage to sin until the Lord redeems them out from that, pulls them out from, from that bondage. As it is written, verse 10, we're going to get a, we're going to get a treatise from, from the Old Testament. 10 through 18 are all Old Testament scriptures. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. We have many brethren that don't believe that passage, though God put it in His Word three times. How many times does God need to say something before we will believe it? Man in his natural state will not seek after God. Will not seek after God. He doesn't want God. He doesn't understand. The, 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 the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither indeed can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Only the new man and the Spirit of God can, can cause a man to understand what the Word of God is stating. Verse 12, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Are you sure, preacher? I, my neighbor, who isn't a believer, did a wonderful thing for me the other day. Sure, he did a wonderful thing for you, but in the eyes of God, is that considered good enough? Absolutely not. No, not one. No man doeth good before God. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. I am but shortly removed from my, from my natural state. I can remember the words that I spoke that I had no issue with. But now I look at it and, and with disgust, how could I ever speak that way? They use deceit 
Their mouth is an open sepulcher. It's an open tomb. They speak of death. They, they, they speak words of death. They speak no... They're, 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 their speech is deplorable. The poison of asps is under their lip, lips. Poisons, poisonous snakes. It's under their lips. It's what they find in their mouth. It's what you find in their mouth. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. We see that in our day. All the riots and everything. Excuse me. The mostly peaceful but fiery uh, 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 protests. Those people. They are swift to shed blood. They don't think twice about it. Many, many uh, innocent people die in those riots when they shouldn't have. They are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways in the way of peace they have not known. In verse 18, the ultimate condemnation, there is no fear of God before their eyes. They don't care about God. They don't want God. They don't fear God. They don't want anything to do with His Word. Psalm 12, they want to cast His cords and His bonds away from them. They want nothing to do with Him. Get Him away from me. We don't want Him or His Christ. We don't want that Word. Verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is meant in his natural state. And jump over to chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, one man, one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For all have sinned because of what Adam did. Death entered into the world because of Adam's sin. Because of, because of that, that one man, because of what they did, is, be, is, is what, we are, what has led us to the state that, that we are in. But if they had not done what they did, we would not have a redeemer. We would not have, there would be no need for a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ would not be exalted as He is. And we thank Thank God and praise God for His works and all that He has done. Come to John 8, where we see the Lord Jesus describe Himself as our Redeemer. John 8, and verse 33. Here the Lord Jesus states, They answered Him, We be Abraham's seed. Here's the Jews uh, speaking to the Lord Jesus. Let's back up and get verse 31 through, through 32. For context, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Did not the Lord Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? The truth is not just a thing to, uh, to be grasped. The word of God is truth, absolutely. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. But the Lord Jesus is the truth. The truth, they shall know the truth. They shall know the Lord, and the Lord shall make them free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? They had no idea. They were so blind that they were under bondage to the Romans, and they didn't even see it. We be Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed has never been in bondage to any man. Were they not in bondage in Egypt? Did they not cry unto the Lord for redemption? For redemption from that bondage? How many times were they given to their enemies in the book of Judges? Time and time and time and time and time again were they given to their enemies because they would not walk in the Lord's ways. They would not keep their end of the covenant. 
the covenant that they made that, that they made at Mount Sinai. They were in bondage regularly, constantly in Babylon, all over the place in the Old Testament are they in bondage. But we be Abraham see, we've never been in bondage to any man. Yet they are they themselves are in bondage to the Romans. They were blind. So they didn't understand what it is that the Lord was speaking of. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, any time the Lord says that, pay attention. He's about to, uh, as, as the kids would say, drop, a, uh, drop some knowledge on them. They, they didn't understand what he was talking about, so he's going to explain to them. I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. Now this word committeth isn't, isn't, this, isn't the Greek term proso for practice. It is the Greek term poeo for do one time. Just to, uh, just to show you that, it is he Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27. Here the Word of God makes it plain. Same term in Hebrews 7, 27. Who needeth not daily, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, our high priest, comparing him to the high priest of the Old Testament, of the Mosaic Covenant, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. The high priest... On the, day of, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur would have to go into the Holy of Holies, offer a sacrifice for himself, for his own sins, because he's a sinful man, just like the rest of us. Then come back out, get another sacrifice, go back in and offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. The Lord Jesus doesn't need to do that. He didn't, he didn't have any sin. There was no God found in his mouth. He had no sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be, be made the righteousness of God in him. The Lord Jesus needs not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice for his own first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. For he did, poeo, did once when he offered up himself. One time. He doesn't need to do it again. And again, and again, and again, as the Church of Rome would teach. That their, their mass is the open, uh, unbloodied sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nonsense. To do that more than once is to put him to an open shame, the book of Hebrews tells us. There's no need for more than one. He accomplished all of it when he said it is finished. When he said it is finished, he meant it. He wasn't lying. He wasn't saying, it's left up to you. No. Every sin debt that was owed by all of the, that the Father had given him was paid in full. He offered himself one time. He did it once. He didn't make a practice of it. He did it one time. He that does sin one time is a, is a servant, or duyo, slave of sin. He's in bondage to it. That's, that speaks not only to the natural man, but even us in the Lord Jesus Christ that have been redeemed out of that bondage. When we, when we commit one sin, we're a slave to it. The Lord pulls us out of it. He doesn't allow us to live in sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 tells us that, that there were uh, God's people that walked in a multitude of horrendous ways, but that we're not identified by those ways anymore. The Lord pulled us out. Such were some of you. We may have been those things in the past. We may have been idolatrous. We may have been covetous. We may have been all the things in there. But the Lord God won't let us live there. He won't let us stay there. He pulls us out of those things. David was a slave to the sin that he committed with Bathsheba and Uriah. Though he was considered a man after God's own, though he was called the man after God's own heart, he'd already been he'd already been born again, given a new heart, been redeemed out of the bondage of sin. But he couldn't do. He was enticed. He was he uh, 
was a slave to those to those desires. We need to keep need to keep that in mind. But here, the Lord Jesus is the one that redeems us. Here, verse 35, And the servant abideth not in the house forever. The slave does not abide in the house of the master. But the son abideth ever. The son abides in the house of the master forever. Therefore, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be, you shall be free indeed. A servant, a slave cannot redeem another slave. They cannot redeem another slave out of bondage. Only one that is not a slave can redeem another one out of bondage. Our Lord Jesus was never in bondage to sin. Yes, he was made a sin offering on our behalf, but he despised it the whole time. He despised sin. That, that, uh, the sweat of blood that he, that he bled, or that, that he uh, sweat in the garden, was not for fear of what he was going to endure physically on the cross. It was the judgment of God for the sin, our sin being imputed to him. He hated, he so loathed sin that that is, that, that is the agony that he went through. He hated it. He hated it. I know therefore that ye be Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. If the Lord Jesus sets free a slave from sin, he's free indeed. He is no longer under, under that bondage. What a wonderful Redeemer, we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Colossians, where we where we get some uh, some further explanation, a further uh, explanation of what He has done. Verse thirteen of Colossians chapter one: Who hath delivered us, the Lord Jesus? Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Excuse me, His His Father. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son? Sin had dominion over us. It was our master. It was what we sought to obey. It's what we wanted to obey. It's all that we wanted. No longer. His son, the Lord Jesus, he is our master. He has dominion over us. He is the one who, who, who has redeemed us. He, he has, he has uh, uh, delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son where he is our king. He is our master. Now, come, to, come, to, come back to Ephesians. Chapter 2, a passage that we're all familiar with, one of the, the greatest in this regard. Chapter 2 and verse 1, And you hath he quickened, made alive. When you cut your fingernail down to the quick, it hurts because it's alive. It hurts. Here, he's made us alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. We loved it. We didn't want anything else. But when he made us alive, we wanted something different. When he made us, he gave us a new heart, he gave us new desires. Wherein time passed, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's the way we were before. Before light shined into our hearts. Before God who made light shine out of darkness hath shined into our hearts, the great gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, before he gave us eyes to see among whom also the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, not just the way we spoke, but the, our manner of life, our conduct, the way we lived. In times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, we lived just like them. We were, we, we were living just like the children of disobedience. And were by nature 
the children of wrath, even as others. We had the same nature as them. We were not them. You wouldn't have been able to pick us out of a lineup, though. Spurgeon, Spurgeon uh, put it this way. If, if I can lift up somebody's shirt and see an E for elect written on their stomach, I'll preach to them alone. But until then, I'll preach to anyone who will listen. Here, here we were just like them. We were just like the children of disobedience. There was no difference between us. You wouldn't have been able to pick us out of the lineup. But the Lord God, He knows those who are His. He knows His sheep. And when He gives us ears to hear, we hear Him, we know His voice, and we follow Him. Here we live no different than the children of wrath. We were just like them. Verse 4, always remember this phrase. But God. But God. It isn't but man. But, but the preacher came in and preached the gospel and he gave me eyes to see and ears to hear. No, it is not the preacher. My words have no power. The Lord God is the one who makes us alive. He is the one who raises us from the grave. He is the one who makes us alive. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. What a great love that is even when we were walking in disobedience even when we still walk in disobedience now, He still loves us. What a great love that He has loved us with. What a, what a great gift He has given us. We wanted nothing to do with Him. We wanted, we wanted to do our own thing. We had our own dreams. And we were in love with ourselves. Don't, don't mistake the natural man loves, loves himself. Now there is a, a proper self-love. But the natural man doesn't understand that. The natural man doesn't understand that God comes first. The natural, the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. Come back to Romans chapter 6 where we get this declaration. We get this declaration in Romans chapter 6 of what has been done. Romans 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we, sh henceforth we should not serve sin. We were serving sin. It was our master. It's what we wanted to do. We sought to please sin. But henceforth we should not. We should not serve sin, not from this henceforth, but from the, from, from the time that we come to an understanding of the truth that we should not serve sin any longer. For he that is dead is free from sin. Our old man is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But it is Christ that live within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We live. We live by the faith of the Son of God. We don't understand all of these things when it happens. We're, we're like a baby. A baby doesn't know that it's been born. It has to be taught all of those things. When we're born... When we're, when we're born again. Very same thing. We have to be taught. This declaration happened. Think of the Emancipation Proclamation. The slaves of the South had no idea that they'd been set free. The Word had to come. The Word had to come that they had been made free. Here, this Word is what, what we're given, what, what tells us that we've been made free. We don't understand. We don't understand all that God has done for us till we did. Till He opens our eyes to it. And we, and we see who the Lord Jesus is and what He has done. Now what is, what is the purpose? 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2 and 24. 
who his own self, 1 Peter 2 and 24, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that, or to the purpose, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. We might be dead to sin, that we might serve it no longer, and that we might serve righteousness, that we might live for the glory of God. We're given so many exhortations in the New Testament, encouragements, not commandments, not thou shalt do this because I said so, but serve God out of love and obedience to Him for what He has done. He has given us a wonderful gift that we didn't deserve, that we didn't even want. But now we can't help but want it and desire it because of who He is and what He has done for us. May we seek to serve Him, to praise Him with our, with our uh, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Live to serve Him. I could end the message there, but I want to give us another comfort, another wonderful thing that the Lord has done for us in His Word and that our Lord's redemption that He has given to us, the fact that He redeems us out from bondage. It's not the first time that He has redeemed anybody out from, out from bondage. With, uh, come back to the Gospel according to John. There are, are three passages, two in the Gospel according to John. We'll only look at one for time's sake. But John chapter 1. Here in verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. The Lord Jesus in John 6.46 said, No man hath seen God except he that is of God, speaking of himself. 1 John 4.12 says about the same thing we have here in John 1.18. No man hath seen God at any time. That is, they did not lie. It is a true statement. No man hath seen God at any time, speaking of his Father. No man hath seen the Father at this point in time. Now in Revelation, we see God, and that's exactly, that's exactly what Jesus promised. Matthew 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. The Lord Jesus promised that very thing. So what does what does that mean? Come back to Exodus. We've got lots of appearances of God in the Old Testament. But here John says in multiple places that no man had seen God at any time. He did not lie. The word God is not the author of confusion. He tells us exactly, exactly who this is. Exodus 6 and verse 6. Just so we see that the Lord God did redeem. Verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. Purchase you out from, redeem you. I will bring you out under the burdens of the Egyptians, and will rid you out of their bondage, and will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Those plagues on Egypt, they were great and marvelous judgments. Exactly what the Lord promised to do, Deuteronomy and, and 7 and 8, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8, gives a, gives a similar recap of what the Lord had done for them in Egypt. Come to Exodus 13, 13 and 21. Here the Word of God states, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of, of a cloud to lead them the, uh, to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. Here, the Lord Jehovah 
he says that he is in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He is in the cloud. So not only do they have a pillar of cloud before them, but there is, there is the Lord God walking in the pillar of cloud and in the pillar of fire. But remember, no man has seen God at any time, but they've seen, they've seen who this is. Exodus 23 and verse 20. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not. I'm sorry, 20, 23, not 20. 23 and 20. Here the Lord God states, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way, to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him. Now he says it's an angel. Both in Hebrew and Greek, angel does not mean, does not simply mean the creature that God has created. It means it, 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 a translation of it is messenger. He sends a messenger before them. Notice what this messenger has the power to do. Verse 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. No mere creature could the Lord God say that about. The Lord, Our Lord said when, when he uh, uh, told the man who couldn't walk, who was paralyzed, he said, uh, uh, Son, don't fret not. Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees said in their heart, He doesn't, he doesn't have power to forgive sin. Who is this man that speaks blasphemies? And he says, you, you say that I don't have the power to forgive sin, but just to show you that the Son of Man has power to forgive sin on earth. Son, stand, grab, your, grab your bed, grab your cot, pick, uh, pick it up and walk, go home. Our Lord Jesus is the one who has power to pardon transgression. He is the one who has power to pardon transgression and no doubt the Lord God's name is in him. No doubt. He, we have no doubt that he is Jehovah. He said, unless you believe I am, you shall perish. You shall die in your sin. He is the I am. He is the Lord God. He is the Lord Jehovah. The, the angel, the messenger of the covenant. He is the one that was sent before them. Psalm 68 You'll turn there. It makes it clear. Just in case there was any question of who, who it was that went before them, whether it was the Lord God or not. Psalm 68. In verse 7. O God. Get, a, get an address to, to our Lord God. When thou wentest before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness. It's the Lord God that walked through the wilderness. He is the one that was in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. The earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Our Lord Jesus is the one who was at Mount Sinai. He is the one who redeemed Israel out of bondage. He is the one with whom the elders of Israel and Moses ate and drank with in Exodus 24. In verse 11, did not the disciples, after his ascension, after his resurrection, eat with him? On, on, I believe, at least two occasions that I can think of, they ate with the Lord Jesus. And he said, flesh and bone, I'm not a spirit, flesh and bone have I, you can see me. Flesh and bone have I, he didn't have any blood, he was immortal. He, he, uh, he wasn't a spirit, he was giving them consolation that, that they weren't just seeing things. 
John chapter 8. Here, the, the Lord Jesus, when He's speaking, uh, you, you'll remember uh, the woman caught in adultery. They bring her before Him, and they start telling, telling Him what kind of woman she is. John 8 and verse 8, And again He stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, if you, if you remember, they're in the temple when this is happening. The temple that was built by Nehemiah and Ezra. And it was renovated by Herod some 400 years later. He is, he is in a place where the, the floor is not sand. But stone. And he is writing on it. They should have known who they were speaking with. When the Lord Jesus wrote on stone. Who else wrote on stone? The Lord God wrote in stone the Ten Commandments when he handed it to Moses wrote it with the finger of God in stone. They should have known who it was they were speaking with. Come to Jude. And Jude, the short epistle of Jude, right before the book of the Revelation. No chapters, just verses. Jude 5. Here, Jude picks up on that. As he, he's given these words by the Holy Spirit. But uh, still, Jude understood these things. I will therefore put you in remembrance Though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, the, the term for Lord here is used almost exclusively in the New Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, having saved or delivered the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Our Lord is the one who saved that delivered the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. Our redemption out of bondage is not the first time He has delivered, God, delivered God's people out of bondage. He is, he is very experienced in that manner. And that, in the Old Testament, was a picture of what He does for us. What a wonderful Savior that our Lord Jesus is. And uh, this is the inspired reading, the Lord here. But in some, in some manuscripts where, where they corrupted the text, they put Jesus. Same meaning. But they understood exactly who Jude was talking about. Here we have the inspired reading for God promised to preserve His Word. And He, he would not preserve it in, in some manner of tradition. He preserved it for us today. But those that wrote Jesus there understood who it was, who it was uh, speaking of. The Lord Jesus, He has saved us, not just from the penalty of our sin. Though He has done a marvelous work in that regard, He has also saved us from the power of it. He has saved us from the power. He has redeemed us, purchased us back from the bondage of that sin. He has brought us out from the captivity that we were in to sin. Sin was our master. He purchased us out from underneath that master. And He has promised that one day He will remove us from the presence of that sin. What a wonderful thing He has done for us. His redeeming us from the bondage of sin is not a new feat for Him. He has done it before and he has done it again he redeemed God's people thousands of years he has had much practice thousands of years ago he has had much practice with redeeming God's people from bondage he is doing what he has always done the Lord Jesus the same yesterday today and forever let us praise him let's bow before him. our father and our God we thank you for your consistency